Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the patch. We're glad, here. We're here to, to talk here, about video guys. games. Video yes. game news. I think there was a little bit of that this week. No. Just a little. A little bit. Okay. Something's going on. For, for those that don't know us, this is Gus. I'm Gus. I'm Ashley. I'm Matt Pat. And I'm Meg. And I'm, I'm Gus. I'm so excited that Matt Pat's here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I love game theorists. Thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, we, we do our best. We try. You got some crazy theories. We do. We, we, we uh, go completely out there. I think to this day, my all-time favorite is that Rosalina <laughs> is the daughter of Luigi and Peach. <laughs> I don't know. Like you, are you guys familiar right. with that? Yeah, no, run us through oh. it a little bit because yeah. I think there's a lot of people who need to hear this. I mean, there's other this. things that we should probably be talking about today. We, we'll, we'll get to them. We'll do the, but we'll I, do like the, but I mean, the basic, elevator version. If you look at the genetics, the lore around Rosalina, the character, the genetics of Luigi and Peach, if they were to have a child, as well as some other details sprinkled throughout the, uh, the uh, Mario Galaxy games, it's pretty pretty well substantiated that Rosalina has some parentage there. We need to get one of those paternity tests from the drugstore. Right? And, uh, <laughs> walk, walk over to the Nintendo booth. Let's figure this like, out. Like, take a cheek swab or something? Yeah. Right? Blood just, sample? Just spit into this cup. Right? The, like, over <laughs> Rosalina cosplayer over there? <laughs> We're gonna break this wide open. <laughs> Proven! Right here. No yeah. longer a theory. It's a game fact. Oh. oh new channel. Dude. Right? Nice. Oh, right, right, second channel. My the vlog Facts channel might be taken. But yeah, so well, it's the third channel. <laughs> well, right. Speaking of new channels, we just launched Film Theorists. Right. So our new show, Film Theory, where we're doing kind of like that over and over, applying science, math, and history to to films now instead of just games and also TV. So we've done a lot with Game of Thrones in the first couple episodes. We have an episode that's coming out pretty soon, all about um, Game if, of Thrones. Right? Yeah. Spoiler alert there. And then uh, also, we're do we have one coming out hopefully today. That's all about Fifty Shades of Grey, which I mean. Wait. So does that mean that you like you would have had to watch research, that movie yes, then, right? Like a lot for research purposes. I swear. Like oh, that, that, I, I wouldn't. Wait, that's a good did you story. watch the movie or did you read the fanfic? I mean, aren't they one in the same they thing? They are not, right? actually. Believe it or not, Master oh. of the Universe is very different than Fifty Shades of Grey. Well. And I will, I will whip out my knowledge. Wow. Wait, is is wait, that I, what it's I, called? I, Master huh? of the Universe? That's the original fanfic name, Master of the Universe. Really? Yes. Wow. Ed Edward, Edward Look, and Bella. And I, you know. I may have had a pirate's life to download it when it was taken off the internet. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. See, I won't torrent any TV or television, but I will download a fanfic. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, no if, you're gonna talk, yeah. if you're going to talk like Master of the Universe, I'm going to go straight to He-Man. Fair enough. Fair, that makes sense. I do want to talk about video games. We need to talk about video games. We should probably do that. I, I nearly got away with it. The, I want to the talk about... The and the dress seem to imply yes. that we should talk about video games. I want to talk about this game. And Gus found my photo from it uh, right before we started. It, we're right next to the IndieCade booth. And I love IndieCade. I'm obsessed with indie games. It's a wonderful, amazing festival. There is a game over there called Butt Sniffing Pugs. <laughs> it's very important. It's amazing. Art. This it is, is so this good. Is, Adam Kovic this is, is clapping important. Yes. This is it, This means a lot. Butt Sniffing Pugs. It's your two pugs. You control... A, there's a giant tennis ball that you roll to control your pug. You pat a, a stuffed animal butt to sniff another dog's butt. And then you have action buttons. So, what do the action wait, buttons but, do? Wait, wait. You can either your uh, one pug can bark and growl or bark and bite, and the other pug can pee and shit. 
Oh, and uh, if you snuff, sniff the other dog's butt, you steal his powers. So. I want to. I want to bark into that butt so bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, so what power benefit do you get for sniffing another dog's butt? Like, you what? steal their powers. Oh. So they, you have separate powers, okay. and you swap powers if you sniff their butt. Th- that's that's worthy of a game theory it's, if I've ever heard. It's one. incredible. And I, I discovered many secrets in the level that they let you play. I found a frisbee, a beach ball. Gavin shit on a plate. That was his big... <laughs> it's not typical Gavin yes. style. Yes, he did get it, though. So give it to him. Wow. He did shit directly on a plate. So I'm, I'm totally going to check that out. I saw, I, you, so you tweeted a picture uh, right before we came live. Right, and that was the stickers. first time I saw it. So yeah. as soon as we're done, I'm going to head over the there. Show. I was going to say, game of, game of show, like, winner. Who won huh? E3? Butt-sniffing pugs. Well, what's funny God. is, butt-sniffing pugs is right next to Bethesda, who has my winner for game of E3, which is Fallout 4. Which Typical. was an right. am- amazing presentation. Yeah. It was a crazy way to start all of E3. I thought it was interesting that they... So they announced Fallout before E3, and all of us were sitting there going, well, they just made a conference, but they've already right. announced Doom, and now they've announced Fallout. What are they even going to do with the conference? And then they showed us. Well, we knew yes. that they were going to show gameplay, right? Like, so we hope we, so. We like, they did say like premiere, the but premiere that could be game. so vague. Right. Look, look at Mass Effect. That can be just horrendously well, vague. They didn't do the thing where they announce it ten times, and it's coming out this year. It's right. very exciting. Yeah, I, I think that was the biggest surprise for me was the fact that not only are we dropping knowledge about Fallout 4 and we're going to show you a little bit of gameplay, but now it's like, oh, and the release date, and it's this year. Like, I can't believe... Just across the board, they knocked it out of the During park. the presentation, Todd Howard mentioned that they started work on it shortly after uh, Fallout 3 while they were still working on Skyrim as well. So I can't believe that they spent all these years working on it and didn't say anything. You know, it was, you know, you got the occasional rumor and the occasional leak about right. a Fallout game being set in Boston, but they were super tight-lipped. And when it came out, I mean, none of the big stuff leaked, like the crafting system, yep. which is unbelievable. Uh, the, even like the base defense system, yep. it's like, and which are all optional parts of the game. You know, he said these are things you oh, can do, but that's going to be the game for me. That's going to be my life. For I think months. you're missing the Sculpt biggest the part there, which is the damn hit boy. I'm putting on my arm. <laughs> did you, did, right? you, did this, you guys get one? Oh yeah, my mommy pre-ordered mine they, for me. It immediately became impossible <laughs> to pre-order. Yeah. Did you pre-order? I, I did not. Now, See, now I, that you haven't, you're screwed. Well, you can I, you can come over and play with ours. Uh, yeah. Please, thank you, thank you. You can look at ours. I, I'm not that type of guy with the peripherals all the time. I I'm, I was worried seeing that thing. I I was brought back to my childhood memories of the power glove, and I was worried that I, here I am like trying to operate my pit boy and the knobs aren't working, and I'm like, <laughs> jump, 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 you know. What, what, what I was wishing is, I wish, I mean, I love the Pip-Boy. I don't want to sound, like, ungrateful. Thank you for making the Pip-Boy Collector's Edition. <laughs> oh, it's really but cool. I wish that it okay. had a, a little more features. I wish that it was powered, and it would establish a Bluetooth connection to your phone. That way the knobs and buttons worked on it for That's navigating true. the interface yeah. instead Give of swiping. maybe 24 hours, and somebody will have done that. Right, so right. I want that mod. If the idea can was it. coined here, yeah. man, All I get thinking about, though, when they were showing it off was, like, this is going to sit on the patch set. Like, this is something where Gus is going to get it and nobody gets to play with it. I think oh, that about it. all kinds of things now. Yeah. The, uh, the cute little uh, figures that they give out at the Bethesda yeah. thing, yeah. I was so mad that I was streaming so it instead of there because ha- those were so What did have we a, talk about? I have a set of those. So I'm going to talk about this for just a second. I have a set of them, and of course, they're going to be on the patch set. No one's going to get to play with them. They're on eBay. I looked last night just for the hell of it. Uh, they're selling for 300 bucks. Holy shit. Wow. That's crazy. But that's what we talked about when we were deciding whether or not we were going to send people to the conferences this year. It was, look, it's not worth it. It's a lot easier to get the information, which is true. And we kept bringing something cool cool away. What if they give something cool away? And <laughs> we- that would happen. Because... <laughs> This stream, the way the streams work now, it's like you get a way better experience. Yeah. W- like streaming and watching from it's home, true. you get the best shots. You don't have to deal with all the like g- 
the nosebleed seats or sitting off. Oh. You have like the best angle on the whole thing, and you get all of the information, mm -hmm. and you're like you have access to it instead of sitting there and you can't do anything until it's done. But, but what you miss out on by watching the live stream is just the enthusiasm of the crowd, right? Like oh, I when, have the enthusiasm of Twitter, honey. Uh, I, well, uh, enthusiasm <laughs> or bitter yeah. cynicism, it's but like you a know, little, little. Let me know. But like launching Final Fantasy, the, the announcement of the Final Fantasy VII remake, like the eruption of the crowd in that moment or Microsoft backwards compatibility, the palpable, just like, the, the, they blew the roof off Wait, of the place. Let, let, incredible. <laughs> no, so it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Let me, just, let me tell you about the downside of enthusiasm, though. <laughs> At the Bethesda event, I, you know, it was randomly assigned. I went there and I was sitting next to a total stranger who was trying desperately to be my best friend uh, and talk and like give his oh somebody wanted to be oh, your friend Gus people talking to me <laughs> oh that's the I, worst I love like friendly worst. people and he was trying to give commentary on what he was seeing on the screen uh, to me like oh this looks like the Unreal Engine. Like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Like, shut up. You know, I was like, I'm trying to watch here. Dude, it's Game of Thrones rules when we're at the yeah. press conference. Alert. Shut the fuck up. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think he got frustrated that I wasn't talking to him, but he got up and moved like two seats down to go try to talk to someone else. It was like real life live left. tweeting only in your ear. Right. right? Like, like, <laughs> he probably tweeted about it. Like, oh, Ghost is such a bitch. He didn't want to be my friend. But I feel like the, the flip side again of like the enthusiasm, I felt like everyone wanted to be so excited about everything. Like the Sony press conference, was last night they were like hey guys we like this guy and everyone was like ah we're just going nuts and I'm like chill out he hasn't said anything yet and he'd be like also it's blue ah and I'm like chill like everyone's freaking out yeah. yeah and also when they didn't announce Final Fantasy 7 last year the palpable disappointment. I thankfully did not have to fair experience enough. You, no, fair you enough. can tell when they when they uh, come out on stage and they make an announcement and everyone just does this Oh, the worst is when they there's wait. No, it's like there's no booing. There's no nothing. There is just nothing. You can just Thousands feel the disappointment. Oh, absolutely. Filling over. Well, and the, my favorite is when they'll be like, guys, last year we launched this title. And then there's no applause. And then people like get worried and they start applauding. And then right. the person's already started talking. And then they have to yeah. stop again. <laughs> Oh, it's I, I just have to mute it and take an Ativan. Like, or those you know? awkward moments where there where the person on stage will actively say, "Okay, that was a line for applause," and then everyone in the audience is like, "Oh, I I missed my cue. I'm I sorry, need to sorry. do that." I, oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. You know. Yeah. One thing I would like to see finally, please let's put an end to something. I'm asking, I'm begging everyone in the industry right now. Last Guardian announcements every year. Well, no, oh. no. <laughs> let's not. Mass Effect announcements every year. Oh, yeah. Let's not have the game name anymore. Well, wait. Now, we did have somebody actually playing the game, and it fucked up. Right. That did happen. And right. I have to give it to them. You have to give them credit for actually doing it live. No. Because I was talking at the Microsoft party last night, and they were like... I was like, you know, they screwed up, and they actually went to the demo, and he was like, mm, they didn't. They went to uh, a cutscene, they played a little bit, then that was all video after that, because they were too worried it was going to crash again. So, actually, they went to a backup video, but they did try to play. And afterwards, he, he put the controller down, and he was just like... Yeah. Like, he was just, like, so pissed that it screwed up, and I felt Yeah, oh, I, I mean, we, so don't, we don't see it. Like, just tell us that it's in-game. Tell us, you know, that it's actual yeah. gameplay. And we believe it. We know, you know, we'll trust you. Because we know it's, it's easy to play a video. It's easy to, yeah. to, to create the illusion. Right. It's fine. Just play the video. But Although sometimes getting things online is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to admit, any, any press conference or any demo or reveal that does have gameplay attached to it automatically gets bonus oh, points absolutely. for me, 100%. Absolutely. It, like you said, it's easy to craft a, a really beautiful CGI trailer, but let me see the game. Well, let me see I how wouldn't it say it's easy. I would say well, it's, well, the, right. I would say it's the, the cheap way out, though. Yes, yeah. correct. 
I agree. I, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not in Maya sculpting this stuff myself. <laughs> thankfully, no awkward trash talk on stage this year, though. No, thankfully. thankfully. That's thankfully. Yeah, I that, wonder whatever happened to that guy that made this super uncomfortable, like pseudo rape joke oh, during the killer. Oh, we're talking one. about like last night. Right. Where, he was just where are they now? Killed right there. You just killed him right on stage. Although awkward trash talk, the the Nintendo World Championships, Reggie was was doing some trash oh, talking there. You know, I run her. a company sixteen hours a day. Boom, dropping the mic. I don't know. Did you see that? I, but here's the thing: like in my eyes, Reggie can do no wrong. <laughs> I once saw. I won't say where I saw it from. A secret source once showed me a video of Reggie dancing at a Nintendo employee meeting. Wow. It was like underground like, like legit, like legit dancing? Yeah, and he was like going for it. And now I love this man. <laughs> this man could do no wrong in my eyes. I thought it was going to be like like Bigfoot footage, like behind it, a hand, it behind a plant. Was. It was. Nintendo employee was like, please never tell anyone you saw this. <laughs> oh my gosh, and now I have. Blackmail material right there. Yeah, exactly. That's great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think the Bethesda conference was a great start. I think one of the other things that, another like huge moment was the HoloLens demonstration during oh, the yeah. market. Microsoft presser. Oh, cool. That's, that's, I mean, it's not directly gaming related, but that to me is probably the single most exciting thing that I've seen of E3 this year so far. I would argue that it is directly gaming related with stuff like Minecraft. I mean, that looked incredible. I have no interest in playing Minecraft whatsoever. I never have. I will play it with HoloLens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, when, when they actually leaned in and you passed through the walls and yeah. you could see the character, unbelievable. I was sold, you know. I expected to see a little bit more VR talk this year, virtual reality, Oculus, Microsoft's partnership with them, all that. And I've been surprised it hasn't big as big of a, it hasn't been as big of a topic. It wasn't but, as big for Sony either, really. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which, it's it's weird. It's, it's very, especially yes. with them launching Crazy. top of 2016. Yeah, or it, it's, right. it's very interesting. VR has essentially been, for the most part, a footnote in yes. every uh, keynote so far. You know, Microsoft kind of briefly mentioned uh, the Xbox One controller being shipped with the Oculus. Sony, I thought, was going to dedicate a lot of time to Morpheus yes, talk. 100%. And uh, it was, again, just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. We'll talk more about that later. Yeah, HoloLens yeah. I kind of understand because that's not going to be out for a while. Right. When they say things like it's going to be out in the time frame of Windows 10, <laughs> that, that tells me it's going to be a while. But but Oculus and, and Morpheus are both coming out really soon. This is their last E3. Yeah, this is it. Before they come out. This so is it's the time that, that you would expect them more. to start ramping see, things up. Yeah, we may see more Gamescom. That's kind of a, if you don't want to announce it at E3, go for Gamescom. It's gonna, it gives oh, that's a good padding. point. So yeah. I, we could see a lot of it there. Yeah, it, but, it, but HoloLens, like if, if VR is the next step in gaming and in entertainment, I see HoloLens as... Two steps beyond that, like yeah, that not, is uh, like that is the future right there. It yeah, I'm not incredible. terribly interested in uh, VR. I talk, I talk about this all the time yeah. in the patch. Typically, so I'm not interested in Oculus. You know, I, I think it's kind of gimmicky, and it's hard with eye wearing eyeglasses. I'm not you know crazy about putting stuff on my face, but I am super excited about Hololens, yes. and uh, that's something that's uh, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, were you excited about it. the Oculus redesign for glasses? That was part of their redesign for the consumer market. It, it's it's interesting. I got to try it now. I got I got to see it. And, I, and their booth. I saw their booth uh, earlier. He's I so begrudging about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, like I said, like I I have agreed with you wholeheartedly that I don't. I'm not that big into VR, but Hololens was so cool to see that. It felt like, oh my God, we're in the future. Like that. That's the future, and yeah. the future is now. Yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Um. Another big thing that another like key moment so far. I'm just gonna talk about all my favorite stuff. No, no, please. So yeah, we have to taste options. These opportunities when Gus smiles, <laughs> they don't come along. I'm often. super happy. Uh, the Battlefront 
uh, oh, uh, demonstration. Oh, so good. At Where the is Blaine? Blaine earmuffs. It looks if you didn't look so good. last night. We, he was worried about. He didn't see it yet. My, my. Uh, he's you know, he's been watching it like this oh. a little bit. <laughs> so the, the the weird thing to me about the battlefront uh, walkthrough or the demonstration was, you know, it was a recreation of the battle at Hoth. Right. Which had my favorite scene, you know, when Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader fight lightsaber duel at the very end. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, that's weird. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. No, it seemed very like, and also this. Right? Yeah. Just, just, so you're, just so you're assured that it's in there and that you're going to play with the lightsaber and that Darth Vader will make an appearance, 100%. But it is incredible. Wrapping a, a tow line around an AT-AT yes. so, um, I have a question about it. that. So it seemed like, you know, in the well, movie... Well, let's, let's answer you because we know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in the movie, it seemed like, you know, they couldn't hurt the AT-AT and Luke Skywalker discovered, like, oh, we can use the we tow cable the and trip them. And now in the game, it's like, oh, this is standard operating you procedure. You've already seen the movie. They know this. <laughs> like, go for these, it. These guys you know. haven't seen the movie. Right. This is you know, as a player. You're I'm, taking what you know. I'm just saying. I'm, 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 I'm a little suspect at how quickly everyone figures it out. Did you need, like, a cutscene of Luke Skywalker <laughs> figuring it uh, out? Wait and then disseminating that knowledge yeah. to the entire <laughs> How do they know guys? to do this? <laughs> I think it's really cool. Alex Albrecht, actually, we were on the show with him talking about it. He brought up this for VR. Um, I personally wouldn't be interested in doing it in VR. I think it would be cool, but... It would make me sick, probably, but it, this could be a good candidate for some sort of VR gaming, for sure. Uh-huh. It does look oh, absolutely. pretty... Like, being fully immersed in this would be pretty amazing. Right? I would just like to to have, like, a cockpit. You know how people have, like, the big cockpit setups? Yeah. That would be... This would be the place to do it for. With, like, the hydro... Like, the yeah. full-on yeah. cockpit oh. with the hydraulics. I just want an arcade... Like the crappy Star Wars arcade machine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love those. That's what I want. I haven't <laughs> seen it yet, but I hear that Microsoft has a HoloLens demonstration incorporating Halo 5 uh, oh. in their... Oh, movie, wow. Where you can... It, it, they say it's not a feature it's going to ship with the game. It's just a, hol- a demonstration they created yeah. for HoloLens where you get, like, a pre-match briefing where you sit around a table that's created with HoloLens and HoloLens changes the room to make it look like you're on a UNSC ship what? and you walk down that's the hallway nice. and yeah so it's, it's supposed to be pretty cool I gotta get over there and see if I can uh, talk my way in there to check it out see for as awesome as that sounds the next the, the thing that you gotta worry about with HoloLens is like what happens when they start doing horror games oh, on HoloLens nope. that, and now all of a sudden there's a killer like in your doorway right now jumping out at you and you're like nope. what the heck what nope. the heck well, nope. that's when we horrors. just nope right out yeah we nope right out for sure <laughs> I would just say that for HoloLens I think the really interesting thing is how many people have blank walls in their house where they don't have... Like, are people going to start taking down paintings and things like that to find a surface? Mm-hmm. Also, I have a cat. Like, is Smee just going to walk right through my Minecraft world? What will happen? Will he affect it? <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll turn into a, a blocky cat, you know, that, from Minecraft. I, I, that would be I'm incredible. Sold. Right? Done. Now I'm sold. sold. Take my money, please. That could happen. Yep. Yeah. Uh, That'd be um, uh, Jay Burns, 1988 on Twitter, just wants everyone to notice MadPat's shoes. Oh, yes. Thank fancy. You. Oh, I, thank you for noticing. I like yeah. the exposed, uh, like, thread. Right? Right? Ooh, fashionable. Stitching. Very nice. Yeah, the, the nice blue soles. Oh, yeah. that, that's why I'm putting pointing them right <laughs> at the camera right here. Let's just put that out. Those are some next-gen shoes. These are, are current-gen shoes. Oh, current-gen. That's right. I, I, I was subtly looking for compliments there, so <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I want to bring up Horizon. I think that was an amazing game. Amazing in that I haven't seen anything like it. I want to know more about it. I felt like the gameplay trailer-ish cinematic was really interesting. Robot dinosaur things. How do people not know what Bernie and I were talking about this last night during the conference? How do people not know what buildings are, but they know what EMP arrows are? (laughs) Like, how does that work? I want to know. I want to know about it. Maybe it's a little bit like um, like in Had a Full Boyfriend, the game where you date the pigeons, and it turns out that... 
You don't know about this? No, no, I do. Okay. I, I, I'm like, All right. wait, I've heard of that. Sorry, yeah. Right, well, yes, we're, we're breaking out the Hat of a Boyfriend reference. Why not? Great How it turns out that that's of the year, like E3. hundreds of years in the future, post-apocalypse, and now super intelligent pigeons. This could be something similar. Maybe it's not in the past. Well, it's it, in the future. Well, it is. They oh, showed like a city. I did it. <laughs> I, I did it, everybody. <laughs> it was a great idea. Yes. Let's you do made it, it happen. Slow clap, slow clap. There it is. It is. So you see like this kind of like like city that's been taken down but they and they have like cave paintings that are buildings but they're like it seemed you know actually it, uh, Matt Spool made the joke uh, for True True it seemed very much like Matt Spool? Oh, Spool is Sean Poole Sean Poole sorry I, I was gonna say <laughs> I said Matt I made a new person I've combined all of you and made Matt Spool <laughs> hybrid there's too many of you Fusion Ha Dragon Ball Z what did I do? I wanted hey. to give you I wanted to give you credit for your true true joke when we were talking about uh, the buildings in Horizon yesterday. <laughs> oh, oh, <geez>. oh. <laughs> hey, we got his Altoids though. Yeah, we got some Thanks. Altoids sponsored by Altoids. Hey, I'll, I'll take an Altoids. I feel so bad for calling. I actually them. I prefer the winter green flavor, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. That's gonna sound great on Mike, <laughs> right? Just you know, just suck on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, guys. Um, Brady guys, three, the, huh? The, the stream needs our breath nice and minty fresh. Whatever. I'm, a, I'm, I'm never crediting anybody at Funhouse with their jokes ever again. It was my joke now. <laughs> yeah, just take it. Um, so uh, what are we talking about? We're talking about Matt Spool. Yes. Sean Poole is Matt Spool. It's actually his superhero name. I ruined it. Secret identity. I've given it away. Now, I for, forgive me for forgetting the name. So you guys, I, you are the experts. But the game, no oh, sky, no... No man's sky. No man's sky. We are the experts. You see uh, that? See, right? Thank you. But, like, I got chills. Watching did them. You? Okay, I, here's I the did. question. You? Let's I play a did. game. Why Let's did you play bring a game? No. Really? What? I've seen enough of. Oh, that's what I was no ask. Ex- okay. Okay. All right. Here's the game. What is No Man's Sky? What's it about? What? How do you play it? Eh, explore. You find things. Okay, cool. I don't know why I find things. Okay. What's No Man's Sky? I explore, find things, and you do know, what with them? But why? For what purpose? Because it's I, I would ask you the same thing about Minecraft. And My- I and I will tell you that I'm not interested in Minecraft for this purpose. Well, okay. So, we have found a, a middle ground. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Have you been following all of the different like releases, all the different bits of information about No Man's Sky? Up Clearly until now? not, because I didn't know its name. There, so that okay. I, there you go. So I understand. You had, if this was your you first experience with words. the game. Yes. It would seem very impressive. Yes. Last E3, I felt like they showed something very similar. Although this time they did zoom out a bit. Um, it just has a really nice scope. I want to know what the the gameplay is and why I'm doing what I'm yeah, doing. I can understand. I, I can understand that. I can't help but wonder if, like, we're seeing kind of some of the same stuff. Because I wonder how much that flood affected them, that uh, destroyed their office. That's true. So oh, wonder, wow. They were the ones, um, yeah, it was uh, not this Christmas. I think it was the Christmas previously. Uh-huh. Christmas Eve, their office is flooded. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's tragic. So I wonder yeah. how far back that set development, right. if at all. So I wonder if that's why maybe the, the, God, the, God hype the cloud. cycle is cloud. going a little yeah. long. I just felt like a destiny moment happened where he's like, I got three minutes. I can't tell you anything about it. Explore. And it was like, I don't even have time to tell you why I don't have time. <laughs> I just, it, it does seem like maybe one of those games that you once you play it it's going to take some time but then you understand it I did have that again going back to the Minecraft comparison I had that with Minecraft I didn't want to play it I had zero interest in playing it yeah. it was one of those games that I assumed had had passed yeah. me by it was just going to be it was going to be another Pokemon yeah. and then uh, Bernie sat me down and he said You're gonna, I, I wanted to see you play this punch that tree and then I got the wood and then I had to hey. DK for the night. And then I started you know, crafting. <laughs> and then before I knew it, like I, I just the second I opened the crafting thing, 
And he says, you do it in this shape, and they, now you've got a pickaxe. I said, oh, no. And that was it. Done. It's over. Really? Uh-huh. I, yeah, never mind. See, but you know what? Well, we argue Minecraft. I'm, like, I'm already, I'm sure I'm already beating shit on in the internet. No, no, honestly, I'm, I'm right there with you, actually. Minecraft, playing Minecraft stresses me out. It does. My name's Meg. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, no. Sean Paul, Meg. But fine. but it, it 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 stresses me out because I like games that have a very clear like you know this is your goal rescue the princess save the town you know defeat the de- devil and Minecraft with its kind of like open worldness I'm like there's so many choices and I'm so overwhelmed but I can appreciate it for what it is. Sure, and, and, absolutely. And, and I feel like, and I felt the same way about Minecraft when I first saw it as I do about this game, hmm. where, you know, it's just impressive to see we've gone from games, 8-bit games, to, you know, now this, inc- you've created an entire virtual universe. Absolutely. Like, that to me is what's most, like, this E3 has been a really interesting one because so much of it has been looking toward the past. You know, now it's backwards compatibility. Now it's, you know, r- rare the replay. Rare oh, yeah, now yeah. it's re-release of Final Fantasy VII. Like, a lot toward the past, but it's also a lot toward the future. You know, you have the virtual reality stuff. You have the HoloLens. And now you, you know, and I think that No Man's Sky was the example of, like, look at how far we've come that we've created an entire virtual universe you know, a solar system in, within solar systems within solar systems in a game. I totally get that. I've heard that already from No Man's Sky. Like, we've heard that. So I just, well, don't pitch me a game ten times. I just want to see more. Yeah. I want to know more. Yeah, yeah, so I'm that's just, all. So, 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 my first yeah. Maybe a Mass Effect. Yeah, exactly. Like, stop announcing games six times. Announce it and then give me the game. I feel like it was, it was sort of announced in, like, the last two years. This year... Still no gameplay. At least we got a trailer this time. Yeah. Uh, it, and we have we have a release window of holiday next year. Right. Yeah. So that's an improvement. But for a game that's been announced three times now, I would really like to see something. Exactly. Something, I just I'm not a fan of that, that trend. And I would say the other game that I really liked that I played that I have reservations about now that I've played it is Cuphead. I actually got to play it last night. It looks gorgeous. I was over the moon about it. I tweeted yesterday, I want more Cuphead. I was not aware it was only boss battles. So, Oh, really? Yeah. In the, in the playable demo they had last night, you could only, every level was just a boss battle. Well, when they did their, uh, when they spoke during the Microsoft keynote, they talked about how they wanted to make an old school 16-bit, like, hardcore It is hard. Game. I will say that. Bernie and I could not beat the potato and carrot combination that we were up against. Curses. Um, the well, but it was very it's much... It's hard to beat potatoes and carrots. It, How it's true. Not? But it was also, um, it was very pattern. It's all pattern-based. Sometimes the potato spits out dirt balls a little bit faster, sometimes a little bit slower. But I, I, I would like to see, I'm hoping that's just an E3 build and that they're going to add levels to it, but... It looks so cool. I want to love it so badly, but I just wasn't into the just boss battle aesthetic. How about that unraveled? What's up with like yarn being so cool and everybody talking when about did yarn? Yo- become Yoshi's cute. I feel like I should knit. <laughs> Yoshi's Woolly World. The Woolly World is today. top of my. I, I, it looks adorable. I'm a sucker for cute games. Yeah. It's it's a must-have, even though it's, it's going to be super easy. You isn't know, it like, coming out fun. soon? They're super fun. Yoshi's Woolly World? Oh, yeah, I think Yoshi's I think so, Woolly World ships within it. a month. We saw it in E3 last year. Right. Yeah, I'm now. super excited about that game. Just oh. it, like from the cute factor, right? that how so awesome it looks. It's, it's one of those games that you just play to feel good. So it comes out later this month. Like, yeah, like nine days. Yeah, I was going to say, it's like right now. That's awesome. <laughs> like, I did see people playing, and you could eat one another, and I feel like that mechanic is going to get old for me. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like playing with somebody else who accidentally eats you when you're trying to do something else, and then you're stuck. Like as the other player, you're at the other Yoshi's mercy I see. for being like, eaten. It's like original Battletoads. 
you know, punch, punch each other. Each other. Yeah, Joe and Max, same thing. Oh, Joe Friends and Max. Oh, great. Oh, you know Joe and oh, Max? Oh, of course I know Nobody Joe and Max. Nobody ever knows that game. Oh, Joe, I love Joe so and Max. Good. Great, great game. Great game. Wait, so, Joe and so Max. My, Minecraft, Joe and Max. Oh, I'm, yes. I'm, see, this couch. <laughs> we have a connection here. I don't, <laughs> know, yeah, I don't this, know if you're this feeling this. This couch. What is Joe and Max? Oh, oh really? Oh. You fight dinosaurs? Hot girls kiss your face? It's great. Yeah. You are, you are you are literally fighting for basically a harem's worth of women at the yeah. end of the game. <laughs> yeah. Harem's each, worth. Each, each one level you get. Yeah. One lady at a time. And they all live in your and little hut. And you hunts. fight like this weird devil at the oh, end. Oh, spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, but you do. <laughs> Sorry. Spoiler for a game that came out in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, you fight the devil, devil at the yeah, end. And it's a giant dinosaur. Heart. Oh, yeah. it's, it is dark. Very it's strange. Weird. One of the like biggest twists in video game history. Yeah, it tastes like an earthbound turn where it's all very weird at the it end. It does. So um, you, you brought something up that I wanted to touch back on yeah. real fast that we didn't talk a lot about was the uh, backwards compatibility that yes. got announced for Xbox One backwards compatible with Xbox 360 games, which I believe when they announced the Xbox One, they said was impossible. And then yes. they changed it and they right. said it would be very difficult. We're not sure if it's possible. And then all of a sudden it's like, they oh, said, Ta-da, we're doing here it is. Yeah. E3 2015, making the impossible possible again. But it's it's clearly something that should have been there from the get-go. I was surprised that we didn't see anything from Sony I literally just gestured my way into my step count for the day. Uh, I was surprised we didn't see an answer from Sony, but they do have their, their whole cloud now. service I think that they're trying to push right, for that. PlayStation's there. version of that is definitely PlayStation Now. That's why they have the library streaming. Right. They had Gaikai. Why wouldn't they use it as yeah. a solution? Yeah. Even though I do think it... It was a bit of a dig on Microsoft's part to be like, oh, and we're not going to charge you for the games you play, even though the internet went... Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, there are people who will utilize that. I will argue that. I've been well, told like, a lot now. Just, yeah. It's, well. If you want the counterexample, you have Nintendo. And I, and I love Nintendo, but, you know, virtual console sales and kind of re-releasing those kind of IP that you love, buying it for the third, fourth time, whatever. Yeah. Like, that's their business model. So, you know, props, props to Microsoft for letting that happen. All right, well, uh, I think we're at time. We actually have to wrap up. I feel like the time just flew by. All this discussion. There's two more this week. Time flies when you're plenty talking about Joe and Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about everything. I didn't even touch on Uncharted 4, which I'm super psyched for. Uh, we had a whole list of stuff, but we'll talk oh, more about it. we got two more days, and we'll be, we've got two more full days. So we'll be right back. we got Screw Attack coming up. All right, well, this is our second edition of The Patch, live from the E3 show floor. We have two very special guests with us today, Mr. Yay. Lamar Burton. Woo-hoo. And our good friend Mika Burton. Hi. Hi, Mika. Hello. You may know from <laughs> such places as it, as the internet. We have you on a bunch of stuff. You joined the Achievement Hunters at a bunch of our content. I have. You were just on On the Spot. I was. That was so much fun. You guys are so warm and welcoming. I love coming by and doing stuff with you guys. It, it, I cannot tell you how bizarre it is to see my daughter doing a game show. <laughs> <laughs> he watched it. It's I, awkward. I love game shows, and and you were actually very good Thank on you. on the spot. Thank you. you. Absolutely were. Yeah, dude, that's a show that John Reisinger puts on, and when he pitched it, I was like, I don't know, we'll do like one or two of those. Now, now it's one of our most popular shows that we have on. A cool experience I had was watching you guys. We said this before when we talked over there on the side stage. You two are some of my favorite periscopers. Ah, uh, uh, thank you. We haven't periscoped yet. We have yeah, to do we have that not. eventually. We have not, but we will. We will be periscoping in a little bit. I love it because it's like such a fun. Like it's almost like an organic conversation. Yeah. And one of my favorite moments on there ever was you busting out the Jordy LaForge visor, visor oh, and no. putting it on. That was a huge. I mean, people really enjoyed that. That was a that was a pretty big moment for the fans. That was your first periscope. What? That was my very first periscope. We were all having a dinner party, <laughs> yeah. and I was talking about periscope. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? That's. Let's 
Let's, Let's do it. Yeah, well, it was an amazing moment. I don't remember because you guys were all doing it at the same time. I don't right. remember if it was yours or yours, but somebody took the visor and put it over the yeah. lens of the camera, <laughs> and it, you could see what it looked like. That was him. Through the visor, and I've always wondered what that view was like. Bernie, when you come over, uh, we will put the visor on don't you. Don't even, don't, oh my don't God. even, don't, I can't take it. Bernie, now you gotta. Put the visor on? Bernie, yeah. now you gotta. Let's go. Wow, like, <laughs> it's the match is over. I just, well, it that was, would be the ultimate, like, all geek of you moment. For coming. Uh, yeah. Eatery is over. Goodbye, everybody. We're going home. <laughs> so, Lamar, let me ask. Let me ask you a question, if I may. The so your career. The first thing that I was familiar with that you were in was Roots. Yes, the miniseries Roots. Yeah, or uh, the epic miniseries. And then, of course, Star Trek: The Next Generation uh, was a huge as well. Were you always into gaming, kind of geek culture, or did Star Trek kind of interject that into your life? I was a Star Trek fan long before I joined the Star Trek cast, and I guess uh, geek culture has always been a part of my life, even before geeks started inheriting the Earth. Um, Nerd. I've, I've always been. <laughs> Mika. Teasing it. I've, <laughs> who, who needs assassins when you have family members <laughs> on the couch with you? I, I've, I've just, I've, I've always been that kind of guy. I yeah. like technology and gadgets, and and uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I love the world that we get to, we actually get to live in the future right now, and I think it's very cool. I know it's crazy. Like when you talk, when you they have behind the scenes for Star Trek: Next Generation. And they have like the overlays for the displays and the control panels and everything else. It's the fake version of that now isn't as good as what we have in real life sometimes. Right. That's you know, right. That's the right. props that even like these um, unbelievably talented artists build, what you have in your hand is like better than that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, we've been to E3 now. What? This is our, this is for you and this I is, together. You and I together. This is our second our year. This second is my fifth E3 or something like that. So every year we've come, there's been an evolutionary leap in the sophistication of the technology, the rendering abilities of, of, of the 3D worlds that people are creating. It's really phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. We were talking about this today, Bruce, where I said it's such a weird experience to come to E3 because standing here, everything in my line of sight would have been the best thing in the world 10 years ago. Right. Like Even like a cinematic right there would have been the best animated film 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's just crazy to That's think how, how fast, fast the world is moving. moving. Right. Yeah. yeah. And technology too, like communication and everything else. And there's oh. always something in you that surprises you, like HoloLens is still one of those things that's, that's now capturing people, just that augmented reality. Like we've, seen it in movies and now they're making it yeah or it's like i see it and i still don't believe it. it's like it's right there and i don't believe it uh i wanted to ask lavar and mika if you guys have had a chance to try the hollow lens yet we not haven't. yet not I think yet that's i've heard stop. i've heard it's like as good as it gets for right yeah. now and i'm very eager we've 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 sampled a little of the vr here but the hollow lens apparently is what's up it's somebody i guess say somebody is missing a major marketing opportunity with you being here <laughs> and then not having you put on their visor maybe that's why i haven't been over there yet no <laughs> no still working it out when you talk about technology and the way things move one of the biggest revolutions i think in the last few years has been crowdfunding. Yeah, we did a big crowdfunding campaign last year. Very successfully. For, very for successful. Yep. And we were following very closely in the footsteps of your Reading Rainbow one, which was I think closed probably a month before we started. That's right, right, right around there. So you're just in a year since the crowdfunding it has, campaign. It's been it's been a little over a year now. And um, to give you an update, we have just released Skybrary. Um, which is our app library service, all of our books, all of our videos on the web. If you remember, Bernie, the Reading Rainbow Kickstarter was about 
access, getting to every child everywhere with the Reading Rainbow product. And so getting to the web has been really important for us. So we are now available on the web browser. You don't have to have a tablet. Only 30% of our audience has access to a tablet computer. 83% of, of the people in this country have access to the web. And if you're from a family that doesn't have access to the web at home, you certainly have access to the web for your child in their school. And come September, our EDU product, Reading Rainbow for Classrooms, will also come out. So we've made great strides since the Kickstarter raise. And, and I'm, I'm very proud of what we're doing. And I'm very proud of the fundraising community, the crowdfunding community for for helping us get to where we are. It was really amazing, and I was so proud to see when it went through so quickly. And that, that heartfelt video that you put up when you hit your goal yeah. so quickly, that was amazing. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to hear you talk about how you're going to reach people. Yeah. You know, the original Reading Rainbow, there's no question it would have been television, syndication. Right. Now it's tablets, web. Absolutely. That's how you reach people now. You know, television was some technology that gave us access to the audience of kids in the 80s. And if you really, if you want to reach kids today, and our mission is to be effective, you really need to be in the digital realm. Our goal is to meet kids where they are and then take them where we want them to go, which is obviously to the written word. Do you think the crowdfunding campaign is something you might do on an ongoing basis? We, we might do another one at some point for a, a, another aspect of the business to, again, increase our footprint, grow what it is we're doing. We see that our value in the marketplace can extend beyond the agency of reading. And once we firmly establish ourselves in our sweet spot of reading, we want to expand to older age groups. I'm asked all the time, when are you going to do a reading rainbow for adults? Right? There are so many things that we'd like to do. We want to be the the enrichment company, that company where parents can know that it's, it's, the, it's the right place for their kids and the fun place when the kids get there. Yeah. Yeah. And Mika, for you, I mean, things have changed so much. You're a college student. I am, yeah. And, and I mean, even the thought of like, you know, obviously you have a, a, a famous family here with a, <laughs> a long career in, uh, in entertainment. I don't know if your plans are to follow in the footsteps of entertainment, but, but even if you did, it seems like entertainment is so different now. Than, I was, from when your dad started his career. I was actually having this conversation with my dad, and I think my mom was there too, uh, talking about the work that I've been doing with you guys and how entertainment is just different now. How it's like Rooster Teeth and, and YouTube is the new face of entertainment, I feel. It's just, it's just taking off. Like Years and years ago, no one would think that people would, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people would tune into the internet to watch something. Right. But now, you know, Netflix has Netflix exclusive stuff. Everything's on the internet. It's not just TV anymore. So like, I am following in his footsteps of entertainment, whether it be acting, but I don't care if it's on the internet or if it's on TV and movies. Just somehow, some way, I like entertainment. Yeah, it's, so You're right about the original series. It's crazy. The thing that really brought it home for me was BitTorrent announced that they were going to have original series on BitTorrent. And wow. they were going to... Yeah. Yeah, and they were raising money for it. I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's you think I could pirate it? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> they would love that, I'm certain. That's incredible. The pirating network is for... Making an original series? What? Yeah. So they're just a distribution and they're model. Raising funding. And, yeah. raising and they're raising, they're raising okay. money. <laughs> Interesting. Well, right. what are you guys uh, hoping to see? Anything else you want to see before you leave E3? Uh, well, speaking of being a college student, yeah. question for you. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, which game are you going to pre-order after you leave E3? Is it going to be Fallout 4, Star Wars Battlefront? Which one have you seen that you're like, I'm buying that one? 
I know which one he's going to answer. The, for all love, really? for honor. There you go. Oh, yeah. we, just, we just yeah. played it. Uh, that, 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 that's a game for me. Incredible. That is definitely a game for me. Can we get you to play against the Achievement Hunters? Because it's a 4v4 game, right? Isn't it? Yeah, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. He needs to. I need to practice. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go home. Not, ag- not against them, you don't. <laughs> no, no, no. I was the last person alive on our team. He needs to yeah, practice. Yeah. Oh, really? I left her. I, I left her. The last time I saw her, she was being surrounded by a gang of knights. They were yeah. uh, yeah. knights, like Dion. No, no, they were really good. They knew what they were doing. I took down a few, but I played against the developers. I swear they cheat. The che- the developers always cheat. Right. So they know the good. dirty tricks. But I did impress the Assassin's Creed Syndicate people. Oh, she, so she had nice. a very, very, she got very, very complimentary. The, 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 one of the developers of the, the new Assassin's Creed game took her through a demo and he was very impressed with her. He stopped her demoing after a while. He's yeah. like, you, okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, you know what you're doing. So you'd be a good QA tester. Yeah. To get everybody through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mika, what about you? Are you going to, what are you going to pre order? Fallout 4? Is that you? Definitely Fallout 4. Okay, I'm good. looking at that uh, nice special edition oh, yeah, the huge Boy. thing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. but also Assassin's Creed. Like, oh, okay. Hell yeah. That's your thing. Right. That's my thing. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, well, where can everybody find you if they want to keep up with you guys? Um, I'm at Mika Burton, M-I-C-A, and then Burton on Twitter and on everything pretty much. So I'm all over the net, just my name. Uh, I, I just do the Twitter thing. Yeah. Um, so you can find me in the Twitter sphere at, at LeVar Burton. And I cannot and recommend enough. You and, should oh, follow Periscope. the yes. on Periscope. Yeah, I'm on yep. Periscope. Just at our LeVar names Burton. on Periscope. Yeah. Okay. Let's go Periscope, me. Let's go Periscope. Yeah. All right, we're going to hey, go Periscope. Thanks for coming by, guys. It's always a pleasure to see you. Thanks always. for having us. Great to see you. Thank you so much. Thanks now. I'll see you guys. Good to see you. Yeah. We need to learn to ride a bike. <laughs> I'm trying. Okay, it's becoming a joke. It's like, we're going to teach you how to ride a bike. I have stuff. Well, you'll have to yeah. come back to Austin when it hasn't rained for 40 days do, in do, a row. Do you know the history of this? Because when, apparently, I traumatized her. Uh-huh. Apparently, yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. the story then. The way she described it to me, she said, well, I was on the bridge of the Enterprise growing <laughs> up, and I couldn't, I couldn't learn how to ride a bike on the bridge of the Enterprise. I'm like, you poor baby. <laughs> <laughs> My so. dad was always gone. Thank you, Bernie, for stepping in. <laughs> well, everybody should learn to ride a bike at some point in their life. So right. it's, a, it's a deficit we'll help correct. Thank you so Thank much. You, <laughs> Great to see you guys. Thank you. All Thank right, you well, next up, uh, he's getting mic'd up, and we're going to have Jeff Gersman Excellent. from Giant Bomb up here. In Yay! A true veteran of gaming journalism. Oh, here he is, all ready to come up. This is Jeff Gersman, everybody. Hello. Hey, hey Jeff. Hi, how are you? And with hey, that, I think going? we kick off an episode of The Patch and talk about video games. Here we go. Video games, video finally. Games. What E3 Am I right? is this for you? How, how many E3s have there been? I think this there's is been 21. 21. Yeah, I believe So, 21. You've been, to, you've been to every single E3? Yes. That's amazing. How different is it now than the first E3? Uh, you know, it's uh, bigger. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's way more mainstream. That was sort of the, the early years of E3. We're kind of getting into that era where all the companies went public and went real corporate and kind of got real big and boisterous along those lines. Uh, And it was nice to have a place that was just games, because before that, uh, games were at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, and they were just in a tent in Vegas and just like out in the middle of nowhere and and uh, yes, what, what right, we're very close to the porn. Yeah, Todd Howard said in the yeah. Bethesda presentation. So, same time every year. So he was, yes, he was the porn was right Blizzard there. was closer to the porn. Right. 
and I, I was 16 going to CES, so the porn section was pretty cool. <laughs> uh, and also, like, you look back at it now, and it's actually sad and desperate in a, a lot of ways, too. Did, but uh, did, did you pretend you're like, no, I'm going for the games? Yeah, I had to tell my mom, like, hey, you know, it's like, maybe I'll get a job in this gaming business thing, Go to, we'll go to this show, and then, yeah, like, the porn awards are happening. <laughs> uh, there was a guy who... Um, had the same, he was a guy who did public relations for a company had the same name as a male porn star. So he would go to CES and just his phone was ringing off the hook. No matter where he stayed, someone would eventually find his room and just start calling him all the time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a shame, but also probably for the best in some ways that audition. they separated. Yeah, yeah. audition, exactly. What was his name? I'm curious. Tom Byron. Tom Byron. Okay, yeah. I, thought, I, I thought I was going to be like, you know, Ron Farrami. TT Boy. Why don't well, I look up his work now? Yeah. Uh, that'll be your search history forever. <laughs> I can actually relate to that because we started making video back in 2001, uh-huh. web, before YouTube, and when nobody was really making video, there was Flash stuff like Homestar Runner. Right. But I would always have to explain to people at dinner parties, I make video for the internet. Not pornography. Yeah. It's like I had to qualify constantly. <laughs> Not I, probably, I still but also do that kind sometimes. of pornography. Or a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like geek porn. Sure. Whenever I tell people that I'm in that I work in online video, I'm like, what are they thinking right now? I know. They think it's a fake job. I'm just letting you know now. Oh, okay. I think it's totally fake. And yeah, it's like, oh, you work for the internet. Yeah, like, that's a real thing. That means nothing. I, I'll I, just start telling them oh, I'm like a social media maven. Or what's the, what's the word that people use? Maven. That's it. Is it yeah. maven? Yeah. I nailed it. Guru. Guru, oh, yeah. That's there another. you go. Guru is what I was thinking of. <laughs> social media guru. It, well, it's really bad when someone is a self-described social media expert or guru. That's when you know you're really in trouble. <laughs> that's the LinkedIn page you don't look at. You don't nope. click on that one. You just keep moving. <laughs> yeah. You go to your third connection down, and you're good. <laughs> Yeah, when we got started, I always always been grateful to YouTube once they got going. I'm talking about them like they're this like nascent thing, but when they got going in 2006 and became this enormous worldwide phenomena, it made it way easier for me to explain at a dinner party what I do for a living. That went from 20 minutes to about 10 minutes. So I really appreciated YouTube for that. Yeah, well, it, it's still real hard sometimes to say, you know, because we say, you know, like, oh, well, I write about video games. And they say, you write video games? And no, I write about video games. And now that's, that's not even accurate anymore. It's like, now I stand in front of a camera talk and about. talk about video right. games yeah. or in front of a microphone. And, like, it's, it, it's getting harder in some ways for people to kind of wrap their mind around it. Right. I participate in the culture surrounding video games. Yeah. That's what we do a lot. It's, like, not even about the video games itself. But more like all the people who enjoy video games, we make content for those people. Right. Not necessarily video game centric. And it's yeah. even, it's, I, I feel like it's still even changing beyond us. Like, uh, Bernie's youngest is 10. And he, even, he, like, he experiences video games completely differently than we experience video games. Like, he can tell us the kinds of, tri- like, just mind boggling trivia about video games that he's never played. <laughs> Because yeah, he consumes all this content. He spectates video games almost as much as he plays them. Watch it on YouTube or anything like that. Twitch, yeah. Yeah, okay. see, I, I had to, like, read magazines and just try to, like, rent games and just get as much stuff into my brain as possible to kind of go down that rabbit hole back then. It was, it was harder. So let me ask you about that. Somebody who's a longtime veteran of games journalism, YouTube tends to be a fairly younger audience. And one of the main questions you hear a lot of, how do I get started? Right. You know, because YouTube's a... It, it, as big a platform as it is, it presents a challenge for discovery. You know, we talk about a yeah. number of people watching things, but the number of people uploading content is enormous as well. Every minute, 300 hours are uploaded. Exactly. It's a huge noise floor. So how did you get going? I know times are different now, but how did you get started? Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where when I got started, it was a relatively small. And, you know, I, I worked for a print magazine for a year. Uh, but uh, I had a friend who was reviewing games for the local newspaper. He was in high school uh, named Glenn Rubenstein. He works for Leo Laporte now at Twit. Uh-huh. And uh, 
and he had been writing about games for the newspaper, and he was like, uh, I'm going to go to this CES thing. You want to come? I'm like, yeah. So uh, we went. Uh, I met uh, Mr. Byron, and uh, also uh, met uh, Andy McNamara from Game Informer. Who's he's still there? He was. He's been there. Just kind of meeting people and and talking to them and and kind of getting into it. Uh, and I worked at a print magazine for a year that put out like three issues and folded. And yeah. then I was like, well, all right, 19, jaded, fired. What am I going to do? I uh, thought about finally, like, well, maybe I should try this college thing out. But right before I start, like, like started like applying and going down that road, uh, I ended up getting in a GameSpot. And that was in 96. And uh, then it's been online pretty much ever since. I would read you guys all the, all the time. I mean, coming up in the late 90s, maybe you and IGN were the only people out there. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, it was this weird moment where, you know, I mean, you look at it, it's kind of happening again right now to a certain extent. If you look at kind of the business side of stuff where... Like it wasn't our goal, but along the way, as our websites got bigger and bigger and bigger, print magazine anymore. A monthly print magazine was crazy in a business that was suddenly daily, hourly. Uh, And now I think like you have a lot of those large websites that still exist, but now stuff like people on YouTube that are talking about games, people that are live streaming themselves with game coverage, you know, podcasts, Twitter, like all this other stuff is pulling people away from those sites that have been around now for 20 years yeah like the, they might not need to exist in the same way anymore because like the next generation is coming along and kind of making that format obsolete uh, Jeff just recently you asked a question that blew up the internet yeah and honestly I thought it was a very valid question uh, it's something that we've talked about a lot in terms of early access games and things like that uh-huh. um, what made you want to ask Phil Spencer that question I mean like that, that honestly because well, like I said very valid well, I mean, you know, well, can you fill us in on the question? <laughs> yes, please. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, we, we were uh, on, on our show at GiantBomb.com last night. We were uh, we had Phil Spencer and Kudo Sonoda from Microsoft on. Uh, they started talking about their kind of version of Steam's early access. Uh-huh. And they're going to let the people kind of check out games uh, before they're done. Uh, and, you know, that's been hit and miss on Steam. So, Certainly. you know, there's, there have been games on Steam that have launched for sale and been barely a game or been broken. Uh, and... That compounded with a lot of big-budget games, the Assassin's Creeds of the world, uh, and that sort of thing, launching busted. Even games like The Witcher that are not, like, have huge problems, there have been, like, four patches for that thing already. Right. So I just, you know, as part of that, I was like, you know, what's it going to take for uh, people to stop shipping kind of broken-ass video games? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, like, their response, I think, was valid because it was, it was very much focused on their kind of form of early access where they're requiring everyone to have a demo uh, so for free, so you can try it out before you buy it, and they're curating it. They're not just letting anyone launch on that thing. So they're trying to address that end of things. But I still think you know the the, the larger question, the larger problem is these sixty dollars games used to launch in a state that w- they were perfectly playable, and that doesn't happen as often anymore. And that's it's really wild. Well, it's also really interesting because people are buying the like the crap out of these early access games. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, and with Daisy and. Those sorts of games are, they're not finished. They're not even close to finished. Right. But people love them, and they're buying them, you know? People are absolutely complicit in the early access model. It wouldn't exist if it wasn't a valid business Right. I I think there are people that want to be, and and I think that was Microsoft's response as well. It's like, there are people that want to be closer to game development and feel like they kind of are playing a role from the outside looking in. And I think the games that do early access right, like look at something like Nuclear Throne, where every week they're just updating, like that game's crazy. It's already super fun. There's a lot to it. 
uh, and and it's always getting updated. Like I think there are ways to do that sort of like early access properly, but there are other people out there that are you know launching things that are barely games. And Everybody like, is swinging for that Minecraft thing. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what they're all trying to do. I had a really interesting thing that happened uh, on Monday. I couldn't attend the Microsoft press event because I had to go to a... It was on the film side of my career. Mm. Uh, there was a meeting, a conference of studio heads and festival people, uh, people who run uh, like film festivals, and it was crowdfunding. And so they wanted me to come talk because we had a successful crowdfunding campaign for a movie last summer. Right. And they were debating whether or not crowdfunding is ethical. Uh, for raising money for films. And, uh, you know, they were talking about it, you know, there's pros and cons. And I said, you guys are having this conversation uh, about this. And right down the road at E3, they put up a major AAA title, and it was available for pre-order that's in development. That's a form of crowdfunding in a way. They have early access, and they have traditional crowdfunding we saw with Shenmue. It's like right. the which, video game is not the video game industry is not having that debate. Fund of money, yeah, and suddenly it's being fully funded. And it, it, now it seems to be a very poorly disguised Sony project. Yeah, they were gauging interest for monetarily. And, and if you talk to Sony about it, which I, I did earlier today, kind of just like, hey, what's what's going on with this thing? Uh, you know, it's they kind of use that to gauge interest. You know, I, right. I think like Shenmue is a case where like. There have been people that have been very rabid about it, but you don't know if that's nine people that are crazy or 10,000 people that are only slightly whacked out. And so the the thing they found out is like, yeah, there are enough people to make this thing a reality. And now I think Sony probably feels a little more comfortable saying like, okay, now we'll put some of our money in to actually make this a reality. Because no one's making a game for $2 million, million, especially not a Shenmue sequel. That was kind of one of the things I wondered when uh, when they started teasing, even before they launched the crowdfunding for Ukulele. I was wondering, I was like, people say they love you know, Banjo-Kazooie. It has a very fond place in people's hearts. Does it have a place in people's hearts that they're enough that they're willing to actually put down their own money for? It turns out the answer is yes. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely do. But it's one of those things that it's it is. It almost seems like oh, people are interested. Right. right. And I think there's something that's kind of perfect to that because you know it, there have been years where you know you, you know like genres that fall out of favor. You get people go like, man, I would pay two hundred dollars for a classic adventure game from Tim Schafer at this yep. point. And then finally, someone built the framework for Tim Schafer to go, okay, yeah, cool, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and and I think that on some level that's great. It's also just one of those things that. If it gets used incorrectly, it can be just as scary as bad early access, if not scarier. The video game industry and the film industry both get criticized for making sequels and reboots. But the audience, overwhelmingly, at the box office and at the cash register, supports sequels and reboots. And now, the choice of what do they want to fund, they fund sequels and reboots. Yeah, it's you know guys that have uh, you know been separated from the the properties that they made famous, uh, getting out there on their own and going like, well, I'm, I can't tell you I'm making a Castlevania game, but yeah, like Shroud of the Avatar from Richard Garriott. Yeah, know, exactly. That- yeah, I mean Shroud of the Avatar. Avatar yeah. Hey, what, hey what, what's this game gonna be like, Richard? It's like, well, I've been to space, so I don't have to answer you at all. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like I, I think that stuff's really cool because I you know, gaming is you know been around since I guess. You know the what the mid seventies, late seventies. Yeah. Like there are people that have grown up with gaming that now have deep, deep, deep nostalgia for the very beginnings of it, the middle period. You know, the, like we have eras now. Yeah. Well, we've and seen that with Star Citizen. I mean, Star Citizen's the perfect example of nostalgia. Putting your money where your mouth is. Now they've made eighty million dollars. I want yeah, to just scary. I'm, I'm afraid to play that game so because am it's I. just like I'm not sure that it's yeah. I, and I the money is 
Yeah, it, it's it's really crazy. But like Chris Roberts is on. I mean, it's, it's wing, you know, the Wing Commander wing roots yeah. there, and you're like, well, okay, I would like to play a new Wing Commander game, especially one that is the dream Wing Commander game I always had in my mind. But I'm not going to pay them like twenty grand or whatever for a ship, like some <laughs> no. people are. Like, that's no. nuts. That's nuts. <laughs> that being said, our, our Gus paid three hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Hey, no, I, I think with tax and everything, it ended up three hundred and fifty. Huh. He, he paid for the game that's not out. I think he got the dogfighting module, or he got to walk around it or something. There's like a there. hanger, and yeah. then you can dogfight with some of the things, but not all of it. Yeah, it's, uh, he's, it's he's, interesting. And yet he still is very happy about it. Well, we're sort of in a golden age right now where a bunch of people are putting their money up, and we're getting to see these products, you know, like, oh, like, like Shenmue or Star Citizen, those, those sorts of things. But we haven't yet seen... Uh, the problem. I mean, I've seen people come by and be like, I want all my money back right now. We see it occasionally, but not very often. Right. I think what the FTC got involved with something that didn't ship on Kickstarter relatively recently, you start to wonder, like, you know, what's the regulation going to look like when people don't fulfill, like, kind of those promises? Like, what, where, where's the legal line for that stuff? And, and, yeah, I think that's that's the... I'll feel better when that stuff is a little more established, where it's like, okay, now there's consequences. They can't easily run off with the money. Exactly. There's a very interesting thing that's coming on uh, June 19th, mm. very soon, like in a couple days. And it's a way of an interp- interpreting Reg A, which sounds like Reg A, but it's Regulation A. And it's, it allows for equity crowdfunding, where people who crowdfunding uh. are allowed to have equity in whatever the project is. That might significantly change the way crowdfunding is done. Yeah, 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 that could be. I mean, but it, you know, I think the people that are using crowdfunding right now are not looking to give up any equity in their thing. So they'd only use that if they had to. But if people start to do it, the expectation might shift that they, the the backers might become more sophisticated in their choices. I'm just like, hey, that's cool. I'll back that. That's the way I do it. You know. But if like there's an equity option there, they might start to expect that. Or, or, or they might know, be tears. Or they might oh. look at it and go like, well, if I have equity in this, like I'm gonna fund. So- I want to fund something that I think will be successful from exactly. a business standpoint. Yeah. And then suddenly, like maybe you're not funding as many like weird r- spiritual successors to old games. I think people. If, I mean, from my perspective, people seem to expect not actual equity and profits or anything like that. But once they fund a game, they expect to be involved and to yeah. have their feedback, to have their voice heard, and to to be part of that process because they're an investor now. They you know, they're not thinking about it like I'm going to make more money out of this, but they're thinking I want to be part of making this so that it's what I wanted. Right. And and that's I think, you know, that's an unfair expectation. They don't have power. Like even, even if they're acting that way, like really they're doing is kind of pre-ordering a thing or putting money into a thing that they hope happens. And yeah. and that's right. the extent of the relationship. And I, I think, you know, some developers you know, maybe need to kind of put their foot down a little bit and be like, no, you don't get to like tell me how to design the game. The whole right. thing is, if you didn't trust me to design this game, you probably shouldn't have backed it in the first place. Right. You know? Well, Adam Kovic always says they're paying for dreams rather than reality. Yeah. Which yeah. is, they're, I mean, like, we're basically paying for a game that we, we hope Star Citizen is. And I mean, they're getting there. I've seen, you know, I've seen the modules come out and it looks yeah. amazing, but is it going to live up to exactly what I dreamed? project will live up to exactly what it is and you know we're seeing those consequences now and yeah and you see games that you know that end their kickstarter successfully and then there's a huge long time before they ship and then you see this crowd of people that feel attached to it yeah. they turn on it they get excited again they yep. turn on it again like like you know there's like a, a negative sentiment around something like mighty number no. nine which everyone was very excited about right out of the gate and there is then you get the impression like there are some people that are like they put out something that play was playable um, and people were like oh no this no. isn't yeah right <laughs> this isn't mega man enough yeah. Yeah. Like, like, or it's like, oh, it's not finished. 
Yeah. 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 It's like, how can you match everyone's expectations based on their nostalgia? You probably can't. Yeah. My favorite was Broken Age, watching the audience go through the dilemma where, say, Tim Schafer was uh, developing the game in conjunction with EA. And Tim Schafer went public and said, I just need another $2 million to make the game. Everyone would be like, EA, give me $2 million bucks. He's trying to make a good game. Meanwhile, when they ran out of money after the Broken Age Kickstarter and there was the rumor they were going to do a second Kickstarter, the audience reaction was, hey, you had a budget. And you said, and they were like, yeah. watching the audience turn into distributors and producers was so yeah. funny. They were me. like, it's not our fault you overscoped your game. Like, <laughs> yeah, rain exactly. a dick. Like, come on. Like, exactly. cut some features. Let's get it done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's crazy. And that happened over like a like an 18-month period. It was really funny to watch that. And, and Double Fine, very intelligently, did not do that second crowdfunding campaign. They just right. found a way to make the game. Yeah. yeah. It ended up being a great game. They, crowd, they crowdfunded some other stuff and kind of got some other projects going. And, and, and yeah. Yeah. Totally. Well, all right. We've been talking about crowdfunding a while. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about E3. So... This is your twenty oh. first E three. Yeah, what have you seen? Here's, That's always the question. Well, here's a good question actually from Twitter. Is um, Ian MKLV asks Jeff out of all the E threes you've attended, what was the biggest mic drop moment of all time? Wow, uh, I think it was uh, Sony with the PS four stuff uh, when they got out there and had their little video of you know passing games one the, to the other, the, the renting or yeah, the borrowing. Like, that is the the a a real legendary kind of face slap crazy moment of just like. <laughs> Microsoft got out there and said, here's everything we're doing. And then all Sony had to do was go, we're not doing that. And then drop it. And, and that, that was huge. I mean, you know, you have your kind of um, early moments of like, you know, the, the Saturn price getting announced. And then Sony just getting up on stage going like, yeah, we're way cheaper than that later. Uh, <laughs> I remember that. That was, that was a really good one early on. Uh, and, uh, yeah, the rest of it all kind of blurs together at some yeah. point. It's uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, the, when they announced the price of the PlayStation 3, it was kind of the, the negative end of that thing, when they are like, hey, it's $599. And you're like, oh, I knew it was going to be expensive, but that's crazy. What about you guys? What about memories from E3 from what you followed? A big mic drop Biggest moment. mic drop. The one I remember was when Bungie put up a countdown when they were going to release or announce ODST. They put a countdown. I'm a huge Bungie fan, so I was tuned into this. They put a countdown that was leading up to the Microsoft press conference. But the Sony press conference, I guess, was a little lackluster, so Microsoft didn't feel like they needed to talk about ODST. Yeah. So the countdown ended, and then they were like, eh. Yeah, Microsoft. It was like a harbinger of what was to come. But yeah. suddenly we all had a clue as to what that relationship was like. Yeah, and you could see there was just, like, some of that tension got out there in a way that was just like, oh, you knew, like, Oh, Bungie is not happy at all. No, about yeah. This. Like, yeah. I'm a big fan of, uh, of any time they say... Here's a thing that you didn't know existed. By the way, it's in stores today. Yeah. yeah. I love that well, every single time. That was Todd Howard this year. Yes. I mean, I, yeah. I could honestly could not believe he came out with the mobile game, the collector's edition, and the game that the entire internet wanted. And, and he's like, oh, by the way, it's playable in like a couple of months. Right. It's yeah. good to go. Yeah, that, that, that was a really great one. I, I think that's something that like everyone should have had this year, like reading the trends and be like, oh, we need to have something available right now for people. And, right. and it was a good start where, you know, like uh, the preview program for Xbox One, they launched their kind of backwards compatibility stuff. And Nintendo had a couple of things out that uh, Earthbound uh, Beginnings old game finally released for the first time in English. Uh, you know, yeah, like that. You can do this right now is really amazing everyone should do that it's a lesson to be learned you know if you look at the Shenmue crowdfunding campaign and you look at the release of Fallout Shelter 
everyone gets on this super hype mode, and we and we all kind of buy into it as a culture. Giving the that audience a way to channel that energy into something real—that's obviously very effective. A proper call to action. Yeah. Some places to p- spend a little bit of money. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's it's like devious in some ways, but absolutely. I, I don't think pre-orders are that anymore. You know, before you can pre-order a game, no. you're excited. Now we're all past that. Digital games, like you know, the concept of pre-ordering a digital thing is nuts. Uh, except yeah. for preloading, right? I mean, it's just you don't need to do that. And I mean, most audiences are, I think, a little more educated now. They're waiting for reviews. They're waiting for previews of these games before they pre-order anything. Yeah. Whereas, you know, 10 years ago, if we heard about a game, we're like, oh, cool, I'll pre-order that. But you never heard a thing about it because it was in a magazine. Totally. I think, you know, there's a huge segment of the audience that, you know, that doesn't actually get anything from reviews anymore. You know, they kind of know what their tastes are. You can see enough of a game, especially, you know, it's like the big budget games are, you know, a little safer, a little safer, a little safer. You, You can look at that and go, yes. You can look at another one and go, no. I think the, the savvier ends of the audience are, are kind of moving on from some of that style of coverage completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think the audience has changed much over your career? I mean, last year we had Gamergate. I feel like saying the name of the beast here. But, uh, you know, has, has the audience as a whole changed, do you think? Um, I mean, some things are always the same. You know, you're always going to say something about a game that someone's not going to like. And, and therefore you don't know anything? Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I got death threats for reviews of Dreamcast games. Right. You know, like it's, uh, you know, if someone sent me my home address and said, like, we're coming for you because you didn't like Virtua Fighter 3 TB. And I'm like, it's a bad port of the game. And listen, Jeff, I want to apologize for that. I was very young at the time. <laughs> I was Fair really enough. upset. I really like you know, Virtua like Fighter we, 3. We all fly off the handle sometimes. It happens. It's, it's okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the the change has been, you know, like our, our podcast, the Giant Bombcast, is basically like the, it's, the, it's the biggest thing we do. And, you know, I, like I said, I came into this primarily as a reviewer. So, you know, like reviewers back then at GameSpot anyway, like we were in the hole. Like we didn't, we didn't come up for air. We didn't talk to game developers. Like we were in here reviewing final products constantly and and didn't really interact with the the industry at large and then uh when i when i got out of there uh and uh started uh, my own thing it's uh you you get to see like that larger industry and, and i think you know th- there's a lot of different stuff going on out there that's way more interesting than saying like hey the frame rate's a little less than stable like i yeah. can say that on a podcast and and move on it doesn't right. need to be this huge dissertation like it used to be right right and listen not not to kiss your ass too much but i think a lot of people should realize kind of a debt of gratitude that they owe you for the way that you left GameSpot. You were very, very well established there. There was a huge controversy. It was a very famous departure. You went off and started your own thing. You were successful. I think paved the way for a lot of guys, like what the kind of funny guys are doing now, mm. what you guys did, what, you know, going as a group away and leaving Machinima. Mm. And you were, the, you were a pioneer in that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, I wasn't setting out to pioneer much. It was, uh, in a lot of ways, it was like, okay, well, I've had that job for 11 years. Mm. I've had that job since I was... 21 now what like okay then it was that moment of like well i could go be a producer somewhere and work on a game but like that just sounded like a dead end and and you know uh once the kind of controversy kind of whipped up around uh what happened uh, you know it became uh, it became pretty clear like okay i'm 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 gonna be able to figure out a way to start something out of this and, and do do something out of that 
and uh, yeah, ended up kind of teaming up with some guys that you know we had worked with at GameSpot years ago, and like we all had this kind of shared vision of like they were already doing wiki stuff and cool stuff there. It was like totally, let's do video game wiki, right? Let's let's do this crazy thing, and then we'll figure out the. Well, basically, I just said I want to do the fun parts of my job and not the bad parts of the right. job, and let's try to build a business around it, and. Uh, yeah, we, we did. So. Let's try to make our jobs a little bit less like work all the time, right? Yeah. yeah. And do the stuff we enjoy. And, then, you know, getting back to that, the idea of, like, I want to put out stuff that I would want to watch, you know? Wow, that's what we say every day at yeah. the company. It, yeah. it's, it's the whole thing of just, like, you know, if you're not, like, if you're just, like, well, I'm just cranking this stuff out and who cares, you know, that, that shows. And, right. You know, it's it was something that, you know, the latter days of that 11 years, like, it wasn't the same anymore. And so getting being able to just kind of start fresh and wipe the slate clean and, and figure it out like, all over again uh, was was fun. And, you know, and the gaming audience, the culture as a whole, it seems like has an incredible ability. Sometimes it goes overboard, but incredible ability to sniff out something that's not genuine when something is servicing the gaming industry versus actually being an organic part of it. And the rejection level for stuff that people see as not genuine I think it's bigger in gaming than anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, people can detect that stuff from a mile away, right? It's, it's, uh, yeah. There, there's, you can't fool people the same way anymore. Uh, you know, and, and that's a good thing. You know, I think that that hurts bad games too. You can't market your way into sales of a bad game anymore because word of mouth and all this other stuff just kills it dead. Yeah. And uh, you know it wasn't always that way. You know you could have you know these companies would have ad campaigns, do all this other stuff, and and figure out ways to get bad products uh, into people's hands. And it, it's a lot harder to do that. And that's great. It's a lot harder on on our end of things too. You know, like you said, there's a zillion different things out there. If you're making stuff that's terrible, or if you're making stuff that you know is kind of not serving the audience, uh, you know, I think people will eventually figure that out. Yeah. You know, it's a. I think that's an upside to the DLC environment that we're in now. I mean, we always talk about the downside of, like, day one patches. Sure. And, you know, all incomplete games and things like that. But if a big part of the revenue model for video games is that extended long tail where people continue to buy, then it means they, there's more of, of a pressure on them to make that initial floor of $60 worth more to where you want to continue that. Yeah. It's almost like, a, it's almost like as games have not escalated in price and that's kind of gone into the DLC world, that... The sixty dollars almost becomes like a trial for a hundred dollar game or a hundred twenty dollar game. Right, oh, it, yeah. it's, it's kind of you know like season passes and stuff like that, right? You know, and, and that's that stuff can be a little weird sometimes. I think some companies do season passes better than others when it comes to like letting you know, hey, here's what you're going to get instead of just like ah, buy something, you'll get four things over the next year. What are those things? Ah. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's a map. I don't know. It's yeah. funny because they know how many there's going to be, but they don't know what they are. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they, so they've, they've specked it out. They know what the first two are, but the second two, are like, yeah, we'll see how these first two do. And meh. right, well, uh, it forces those large companies to stay honest because if they do it once and it doesn't work, then the audience will remember. The gaming community always remembers, and yeah. they don't want to get burned again, so they won't do that. Yeah, and uh, that's it's what's really interesting about that is the exact opposite is early access because I feel like. People are getting burned, and they're still like, it's okay, it's no big deal, let's buy another one. Right. That I can't figure out. Yeah, it's, well, I think, you know, you have some people that just want to be closer to some development and have a, try to have a say in some of that stuff, or, you know, they, they believe in a, in a particular developer. I think mean, we're starting to see more and more of that. It's one of the other things that is kind of, 
you know, knocking down some of the kind of traditional game journalism stuff is like more and more developers and more and more publishers, especially, are just cutting out the middleman. Like they don't need me to put out a trailer. Right. You know, it used to be that uh, you know a site would be fighting for like we want the exclusive to debut your trailer on our site and that will bring everyone to our site and it'd be great. Now, now it's the official YouTube channel. Exactly. Now yeah. you know I, I get trailers from publishers and they specifically say don't publish this to YouTube. Because we're putting it on our YouTube channel. Yeah. We want to get subscribers. Yeah. Like, follow, and subscribe. Please embed our trailer. Don't yeah. post your own. And yeah. I'm just like, well, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and so you see more and more companies interviewing themselves. Uh, they are uh, putting up their own trailers, all that sort of stuff, kind of cutting out the press. And uh, like for my part, I think there are some businesses that are built around being part of that cycle. And for them, it's probably really scary. But like we kind of remove ourselves from as much as that's possible part of that was because we were small starting out launching giant bomb but also like i just want to talk about that stuff and i think there's always going to be room for some kind of independent voice around that stuff to kind of keep an eye on it and tell people about it and that sort of stuff and and not have to be in the like well we want to bring you exclusive information so you view it here first the world exclusive of this trailer this or this and that uh i think that that's that model's just not viable these days or as viable yeah. Yeah, it can be tough I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the difference between like game, games journalism and enthusiast press because you know a lot of games journalism a lot of it runs through marketing and PR departments you know yeah. a lot of that information that's your source essentially right it's well you know like journalism is a really specific and really weird word there's a lot of different ways it gets performed I I these days, like, you know, I'm not out there pounding the beat. I'm not, like, wearing my press card and my hat and shaking down a source or anything quite like that. Talking but, Tim Schafer. Yeah, uh, but, you know, like, th- I still think that there's, you know, there's an ethical standard to live up to along the way that is very, it comes from the world of journalism and, and that sort of thing, like, kind of how you carry yourself and that sort of thing, and, and trying to live up to that standard, I think, is the, the important part. And, and yeah, you know, you do get a lot of things directly from a relationship with a, a publisher. Like, you know, we get a lot of, you know, games from public relations people, but then there are a lot of, like, people out there, streamers and that sort of thing, that are getting it from the marketing end, yep. which ends up being this weird thing of, like, okay, now you're part of a marketing deal, you're signing some kind of contract, you might not be able to say anything bad about the game while you're streaming it in order to get it early. Like, that, like I see those sorts of relationships, and that gets really scary for me. Yeah. Because those are the ones that, you know, when we talk about, like, people needing to sniff some things out, like, sometimes the decisions and And that could be a little worrisome. Has there ever, I don't know of it, but has there anything, been anything in the history of E3 where this is an industry event, you have to get a pass to come in here, where people have been banned from E3 and not allowed to come because they were too negative? Like, like blacklisted from E3? Yeah, essentially. No, the, the, the publishers don't really have that kind of sway over who gets a badge. Uh, if someone were to get kicked out of E3 for stealing stuff or vandalizing things, then I think the ESA at some point would be like, yeah, you don't get to come back. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in terms of like kind of keeping people out for just their general opinion, no, no. I, the I don't, publishers I don't can blacklist you. Though. I mean, that ha- uh, happened with Apple and Gizmodo. Sure. Uh, when Gizmodo published the iPhone before it, they actually released it. The one they found in the bar. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah Apple yeah. blacklisted Gizmodo. Certainly. But, you know, like, like no one publisher runs E3. You might have a case where, like, you know, uh, one outlet can't go to Bethesda because they just they right. leaked a bunch of their games, for example, and thus they don't get invited to anything that Bethesda does ever again. And, you know, that, that sort of stuff does happen, but it's 
perfectly within the right of that publisher to say, well, we don't want to work with this outlet because we don't like them. Like, you know, yeah. if, if every publisher woke up tomorrow and said, we're going to stop sending Giant Bomb games, then I would have to make sure that we have a budget to acquire that stuff on our own yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and go that route with it. And that's kind of always how I viewed it is to make sure that, like, you know, hey, we can pull that ripcord if it gets there, uh, but it, it hasn't gotten there. You know, it's, it's relatively cordial. Basically, Bruce, you're very happy that Silent Hills doesn't have a booth. Otherwise, it would be uncomfortable for you. Well, I mean, it might be a little uncomfortable, but at the same time, like you just said, it's sort of like we feel like we have a responsibility to the audience to give them this information. That if, if we have it, and it's just something, then I, you know, I, I, like you said, hold ourselves to a certain standard, but also a responsibility to the audience to give them that. Right. I th- yeah, I think there's you know, possible ways to deal with that information. And like, okay, well, you know, d- and, and when it gets into, like, checking a source, believing a source, yeah. having a second source, like that sort of stuff, I mean, that's just that is just straight-up tried-and-true journalism at that point. Right. Uh, if you're kind of, you know, going down that path and, and verifying that stuff to that extent, for sure. So what are you excited about at E3? What have you seen that you're... Uh, you know, for, for me, it's kind of the, the technology stuff at this point. You know, yeah. HoloLens is really cool. Is it going to take hold, finally, in this generation, VR and AR? They're going to put so much money into it that it'll work whether we want it to or not. Right. You know, uh, and and luckily it seems like it's actually pretty rad. Uh, I was actually really surprised by Hololens. I think what they have right now isn't quite there yet, but it works. Uh, the, my only complaint is like the when you put it on, the only part that you can see, kind of the the augmented reality, is kind of a smallish window in the center of it. It's not full peripheral. Uh, but they does it work more than Connect? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, okay, that's, that's yeah. good. That's kind of what people have been worried about, right? That this looks really, really cool. But when they announced Connect, that also looked like you could scan it, skateboard into a game. Right. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, what's the, where's the line there between yeah. the, the vision of what it could be and what it actually, what it actually and, is? And the, and the demo I saw was not attached to an actual video game. Right. You know, it was like a little, they, they, it's a Halo themed experience uh, that they. Like, you put this thing on, they measure the distance between you your eyes, because that's where they are with the prototypes right now, I guess. And uh, then they're like, okay, turn to the left and, and follow the waypoint. And you turn, and there's just a halo waypoint down the hall. And you're like, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> and you walk down there, and it tells you what to do next. It knows that you got there. It says, okay, hang a left. And then it paints a little uh, fake window over this wall. And it opens up, and you're looking at a hangar, and there's a bunch of ships out there, and you're like, that's all right. Gives you another waypoint, and then it's like a little briefing pops up out of the table. And they got little dots on the table. You can kind of see some of like, how they're probably doing the magic right now. Sure. But other than it kind of just popping occasionally, like two or three times over the course of the demo, it was stable, it looked really nice, and it was impressive. Like, I don't know what that thing is as a consumer device. I don't know how they integrate it into actual video games. It's magic. But yeah. that thing's cool. Uh, and then, yeah, I, I uh, ended up in the uh, same uh, demo room for Project Morpheus that Kanye was in today. <laughs> so uh, he seemed to be having a good time with oh, the, smile, the heist huh? of that getaway demo. What did uh, he say? Did he smile? Did he smile, yeah. I, I believe, yeah, he was kind of cackling a little bit, sitting, sitting by the wheel of the car, shooting an Uzi, <laughs> uh, two move controllers. That I, I played that demo uh, not long after he did. It's, it's, it's cool stuff. Uh, they have a uh, there's a, a game called Verzoom VR Zoom where you're riding a stationary bike and you're a horse. What? All right, all right. I and like the it. The faster you ride the bike, you eventually kind of fly. So you're like this flying horse. Naturally. You land, you steer. Like of okay. course, Absolutely. of course you are. You're yeah. a horse. A horse. As of one course, does. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I find it interesting. Um, one of the first E3s that I went to, I started coming in the early 2000s, and yeah. I remember um, down in Kenshia Hall when that still existed. Yeah. Where, uh, 
you know, it smelled like dreams slowly dying. They, they actually had a lot of VR. There was some new VR thing every year. And nothing panned out. Nothing, nothing ever eventuated. And all of a sudden, uh, as of, I guess, the, the, you know, the, the whole Oculus thing, yeah. suddenly, suddenly VR is a legit thing. Yeah. It's, it's uh, crazy to think that, like, it's been... It's been trying and stumbling and falling for, for, you know, years and years and years. And then something happens. And it's, you're not even sure what that thing is. Because, you know, this, this kid starting Oculus at the time, right. he was just a kid who wanted... You know, and, and there was no reason to believe that it would be any different than what came before. And yet... Yeah, it's suddenly that was that shift. Technology had finally gotten to the point where the the big problems that prevented VR from like making people sick are finally able to be addressed. Yeah. You know. Well, if you think about it, motion gaming like the Wii was an enormously popular console. Yeah. That really is VR just without the headset. Sure. So you're, yeah. you're you're you know you're operating in a space like and even like if you look at that PlayStation Move controller, that looks like an old school VR controller. Yeah. yeah. You expect the dude with the gigantic goggles, you know, <laughs> that's, be that's, shooting pterodactyls that's, in the yeah. polygon environment. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. The PS Move controller looks like a lot of things, and it does. Most, uh, of, them, it most does. of them are not controllers. I, yeah. gri- I gripped two of them at the same time today. Did wow. you really? Yeah. Just like Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like a throwback to the old days of E3 uh, <laughs> and CES. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, Las Vegas, such a filthy city. But I'm excited about it. One of the things I'm worried about, too, is that it's, it's a weird thing to be worried about, but I'm worried that VR will become so ubiquitous and so well over some other technologies like Microsoft Room, which is a technology that extends right. the TV beyond the television set and like puts the environments on the walls around it. There's prototypes you can look up online. And says, I want to see that, you know, and I want to play a game like that. Yeah, I think, you know, there are a lot of different directions for a lot of these kind of alternative inputs and just like, there's a lot of different ways that stuff can go. And I think we're at a time now where you're going to see a lot of people experimenting. And, and, you know, like gaming will always have its place in that, but we're going to see more and more, you know, like architecture or just like, you know, relaxation tools of like, I'm going to go zen out in my headset for a while. I already decided to put fake windows into space in my VR house. Yeah, yeah. If you're in your, you could be in your filthy apartment and, and put on a headset and be somewhere clean. And then, of course, I mean, you know, <laughs> that's really depressing to think about. Like, yeah. oh, this mess. Ah, the more depressing better. part is that eventually it all wraps back around and you get to VR porn. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's already happening. Yeah, I know. No, that's that's yeah. happened a long time ago, Jeff. Yeah. I don't know if you you realize that. You know, I haven't been on the forefront of a virtual reality pornography. I'm not sure if I just, believe yeah. that or not. I thought you were on the forefront of that. It's you know, I just don't have the right equipment. I only have a, a an Oculus DK1, and <laughs> right. it's just not real enough for me. You know, uh, yeah. So you know, it'll go a lot of crazy ways over the next few years as everyone kind of figures it out, and it's it, it just makes it a time to be following this. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, that takes your discussion of virtual reality porn takes the uncanny valley to like a totally you know, well, entirely. Beyond yeah. that, do we get to a point where, in the same way that the porn industry drove the adoption and the success of like the various formats, is porn going to decide which VR headset it comes might, out on right. top? Yeah, I mean, so to speak? like who who has the most lockdown storefront? You know, like Oculus is going to build their store. You know, Sony's never going to allow that on the PS4. Nope. You know, what does Valve feel about that stuff? And huh. you know, then then all the other like. But Star VR, you know, we're getting to a point where there's going to be like every single company is going to have their own weird headset and their own weird rules if we're not careful. Yeah, I mean, the porn industry has, we're off on a really weird tangent here. Hey, this is, this is related to gaming and 
old CES. It has shaped those format battles before with VHS yeah. and beta. You know, the rental industry was huge in that, and the first initial rental industry was pornography. Yeah. Not speaking from experience, but just, you know, reading Wikipedia the way I do. Well, right now there's a lot of porn on Oculus, and it seems to be... Really? It seems to be the, the easiest, I guess the easiest development platform for pornography. Uh, I, don't, I haven't seen anything. Like, I, like you said, I don't know if Valve is going to allow that on the Vive. Right. I think that's the thing that closes the gap, right? Because, yeah. you know, anyone can put that stuff out for free, but, like, how do you lock it down Are and sell it? Are you laughing at the gap? It? Yeah, I'm good. Like, how, good. how do you actually sell it and make money off of it? Like, right. is someone going to have to come up with, like, we've made a VR storefront for just porn. You know, like, like what, do, what do they have to do there yeah. if, if all the other likely candidates decide well, to shut that I wonder stuff if out? Face- well, will Facebook allow that? You know, like, I don't know. Sure, if right. They probably never would. I don't but know. But it's, it's an open platform, and on some level, like, the API are out there you can make that stuff and, right. and do what you want but then like again like how do you sell that software to people and, yeah. and keep it you know like prevent people from pirating it and you jailbreak your oculus is basically what you do yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see when that thing comes retail what it's going to look like you know how will it be locked down but there's a big push in the linear industry like movies and tv for virtual reality or 360 content as well um, we saw some of that at south by southwest yeah it's, it's getting to be huge and i and i think the pressure there is that with the prevalence of like home theater 4K TVs and everything like that, um, you know there has to be something to differentiate the first party experience. Right. You know, that's why 3D I think is so prevalent right now in theaters because they're trying to preserve that experience as long as they can before people just abandon it entirely. You have to keep people coming into theaters, D-box seats, not bringing them in the way it used to. You like D-box? Yeah, I love that's D-box. So, right. so <laughs> cool. Have you tried it? I haven't it's, tried it. I hear it's amazing. That's it shakes. Yeah, it's the one that shakes. You can turn up or down. Do they like, spray yeah, water in your face too? No, no. they oh, bring that's, your own water. That's like Captain EO. I love yeah. it. I'm, I'm still waiting for ones that where it like makes you smell everything. I can I, see that might not be the most popular. Man, I've, I've seen demos yeah. at like GDC where they say, like, we got it figured out. And you smell, it's like, like, all this smells like bad chemicals and poop. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like oh, dirty alley. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a uh, uh, way back, there was a, uh, on the cover of Wired was a product, I believe it was called the E-Scent. It was back when E instead of I. And, uh, you know, was, oh. the, was the big vowel in front of tech. And I think, I think it was the E-Scent. And it just, like, it was going to revolutionize the olfactory experience. And it just never happened. Like, it never heard yeah. about it again. gross. I'm, I'm always curious about what happened. I, I mean, it probably smelled terrible. Yeah, like, and, and you know, happened. it probably was just way too expensive. You have to buy refill cartridges right. for, you know, whatever the smells are. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I've seen some cool stuff with smell. Like, uh, there was a ride. It was in... What's the park next to Disneyland? The California, California Adventure. Adventure. Oh, and they yeah. had one that was called like Flying Over California, where all you do is they lift a seat up into a half dome screen, and then they project like you're flying over orange fields and all that <laughs> stuff. But they uh, they had smell as part of that, so oh. they had the smell of orange groves, and that was really cool. And then you smelled traffic and went, "Now nah, I'm done." Yeah, a little less cool. Yeah, I don't want to smell traffic. That's real life. I get <laughs> that all the time. And again, when you get back into Pornography that becomes a much darker experience. <laughs> All things lead back to pornography it's at not some point in time. Well, you know, I, I not to go too far back in our conversation, but I'd be curious to hear from everybody. Like with the Shenmue success, what's a game from your past that you love to see come back and be either rebooted by a studio or to be, you know, funded through crowdfunding? Gosh, you know, it's it's hard. I, you know, I, I was I'm a big Smash TV fan. I just oh, got yeah, a cabinet great. in my house a little while ago and. Uh, I I think that uh, you know it's weird because so many people have made dual joystick shooters now that it's not maybe as exciting as maybe it used to be conceptually. But like uh, I, I think that it would be cool to see a sequel to that. 
Yeah, it's uh, such an insanely difficult game, too. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that. I remember that in the arcade. I would love to see uh, a sequel to Star Control Two. Uh, yeah, that's such a totally. great game, beloved game by people that played it. And they didn't make a Star Control Three, uh, but it was not, yeah. That's why they didn't make a Star for. Control Four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'd love, I'd love to see that, man. A big crowd from that. I know Gus and I would both go nuts for that. I'm going to channel my inner James Willems and say Psychonauts. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, where I is he? He's cheering. He's cheering. He wants I would love to see Psychonauts. It's not likely, but if I could crowdfund it, I would. I, I bet that'll happen. I, yeah, I think it's I, on the way. I'm good. Like, I'll take my money. I'm going to be really contrary and say, I don't want to see any old game rebooted. I really, really? I honestly like, it's like music. I, 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 like watching, I like watching music develop and evolve. And I like watching video games develop and evolve sure. uh, into something brand new. And, like, to me, every year is just so new and different. And, like, with all the motion controls and VR and stuff like that, I'm just really excited to see what's coming. Uh, that said, I do want to see Half-Life 3. Okay. But that's not really a reboot. It's just sort of a sequel. I want to see the story carried on. But in terms of... Are you revealing exclusively that Half-Life 3 is not a reboot of Half-Life 1? Uh, um, uh, yeah. No, no, Jeff. I'm not doing that. Okay. Uh, All right. No, yeah. I just don't want to see... I don't want to see any reboots. Like, Shenmue didn't get me excited. Final Fantasy VII didn't get me excited. None yeah. of that stuff got me excited. Same here. I just want to see, some new, like, new games. I want to see some platforms... Uh, evolve. That's what I want to see. You know what I do like about reboots of stuff that's like a lot older games is I like seeing what new technology has enabled those games to be. Yes, I Taking agree. a super, uh, you know, a really simple concept, the Monkey Island games that came out several years ago, the, sure. the, the remasters. Uh, like I liked the old Monkey Island games, thought they were great, saw the new ones and went, yeah, these look, you know, even better. The art's, you know, prettier. All right. The fact that it had the button to see the old version and go ah. yeah. but I, I loved what it had become and it was a way for a lot more new people who would never go back and find that Monkey Island game to experience it and have a lot of fun with it yeah game preservation is like an interesting topic these days it's something that like, games are now old enough that like there, you yeah. have a, a crowd of people that are concerned about losing them for all time. Like these MMOs that get shut down because it doesn't make business sense to keep them running and stuff like that. Right. Like, like trying to keep all that stuff up and running. Like it's, it, it's fascinating that we've gotten to this point. And somebody has to make that effort to preserve it. It's not just going to happen on its own. You know, I, always think, I always think of the internet as like a self-archiving entity, but it's yeah. not the case. Things disappear and they go away. And it's like unless you think a digital entity is like once it's on the internet, it's there for good. But... If, no, GeoCities gets turned off or something like that. We lose things. Right. Yeah. yeah. And There's always there. a reason why that stuff disappears, and it's because nobody wants it. I mean, like, that's usually what it ends up being. It's because business wants it. No, yeah, it's like yeah. a business is just yeah. like, I mean, yeah, we could preserve all this stuff. I mean, we'll throw it on a Blu-ray disc or something, but, like, we're not going to keep it out there because who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's, there's stuff that I wrote a long time ago that you can't really find anymore. Videos that I, you know, it's just like, that stuff's just gone. Yep. Yeah, or there's just a uh, codec change and you can't watch that video anymore on any computer. Right, yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, well, I guess I could dig up a real player codec for yeah. the modern, for like VLC. But yeah, no. no. Alright, well, we're, it's time to wrap up the patch, but it looks like we're about to be joined by the rest of everybody hey, in the hey. world. Um, to I wrap Jeff, up the after day. all these years, it was really great to meet you. Yeah, yeah. All right. really yeah. great. Thanks, yeah, we are. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Are you leaving, Jeff? I, I, am you, I you leaving? Okay, I'll oh, oh, okay. 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 hang out. Yeah. Talk about all yeah, the cool stuff we saw today. We're going to talk about some of the stuff we're going to see tomorrow. Um, 
So today, hold on, I have spreadsheets here. They're very impressive. Uh, while we're waiting, professional. while we're waiting, Jeff, I want to find out what other incendiary questions you're going to ask tomorrow on Giant Bomb. Uh, well, uh, t- tonight we're on uh, starting at seven thirty, and then we'll be on tomorrow ag- again at seven thirty. And and you know, like I, I mean. I kind of want to, you know, we're going to have some folks from Sony on. I kind of want to hit them hard. What, what they have to say about yeah. similar topics. All right, so good. We'll, we'll, good. See, we'll see how it goes. And you guys are also uh, doing a lot of content on YouTube's E3 Hub, right? Like we are. Your yes. Content is occurring on YouTube.com/slash E3, which is where the yes. stream also is. So you can find all the E3 content in one place and check out all of Giant Bomb stuff. We'll be there. Yes. So we had a big day today. Uh, we <laughs> saw. We see. We saw Tomb Raider. We yep. saw Guitar uh, Hero. We saw Gears of War. Gears. Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. We saw Battlefront. We saw Halo. Did we list with these? Um, we saw Mirror's Edge. Mirror's Edge. Ooh. And then we oh. had special guests. We had Hike the Gamer and Typical Gamer on. We had Game Grumps. Uh, who else did we have? The, we creatures. the Creatures. Creatures came on and yep. then we, we met our... our we our had uh, Andrew from... What was that? What's that? Uh, the Windwalker... Sega, no. Uh, it's oh, Mega oh and, yeah, Mega yes, 64. we had Andrew, <laughs> not from Mega 64. I, I heard good things about his uh, Andrew's appearance. Well, yeah. you know, he's, he's very passionate about the translation of obscure Japanese games, and, uh, and on Operation Wind Talker... Or wind passer or something like that. I'm pretty very sure very noble called. effort to bring uh, untranslated JPRGs to America. Right? Yeah. You like <laughs> JRPGs, Jeff? N- not anymore. Okay, I, that's I had good. my time as a child when I had that kind of free time, <laughs> and I can't I can't do that anymore. I understand. Yeah. Um, and of course, we also had a special appearance by a smaller YouTube channel. Uh, it was XBL Caboose. If you guys have a YouTube channel and you're here at E3, come by. We want to talk to you. We want to promote your channel, please. And, and Song Hammer as well, a late addition to the day two <laughs> craziness. LeVar Burton came by for a while too, right? Yeah, he was earlier on this on the podcast. He that's came by. Awesome. And his yeah. daughter. And his daughter Mika, that's true. Yep, Dropped and we, we've got another big day coming up tomorrow. Uh, we've got, uh, we're going to be having Need for Speed on. We're going to have the Division. Uh, we're going to have the guys from Kind of Funny are going to come on. They're going to play some Super Smash Brothers. Um, we're going to be seeing For Honor, the new IP from Ubisoft, ah, cool, the 4v4 cool. game, is game which, which yeah. I maintain really I'm not terrible at, or <laughs> the other team cheats, we'll something be awesome. like that. Um, we're also going to be seeing more of the new Ghost Recon and Rainbow Six Siege. Uh, we'll be looking at Rock Band 4. We will have live gameplay of Destiny, and by the way, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, we're going to get that all set up I, here? Yeah, I don't know how much I can share. I don't know how much they want to save for the reveal, but it's... Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. It is no small feat to get developers to take their games out of their booths and bring them here. It is, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, have yeah. Book, I have booked a stage show before. It is not fun. Yeah. And, and this has been a great day. I mean, it, this has been a really fun experience for us. This is the first time we've ever done like a live show like this. We're doing three days in a row, six to eight hours a day. Today was an absolutely fantastic day. I can't thank everybody enough who came by, said hello, and the wonderful crew that we have working for us as well. Thank you okay. guys so much. Thank All you. Right. So we will see you guys tomorrow. Oh, one last thing. We're going to have special guest Rocket jump on as well. Ah, great. And we're also doing a fan meetup at 7.30 if you're in the LA area. That's Pacific time. We'll trust you to do your own time translation. Yeah. <laughs> Over if you're everywhere height. else in the world, sorry, I just made you very angry about telling you about <laughs> something that was local. All right. We're calling it a day, guys. Let's call it a day. All Let's right. All right. Thank Bye, everybody. Bye. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. Do the couch wave. Do the couch wave. Bye. Hey. Hold on. Princess wave. Princess wave. Princess wave. Bye, camera.